Oh no. Oh yeah. We did it, you guys. You can't even you can't even understand what's happening to you right now. I don't even understand what's happening to me right now and I'm we're and I'm I'm in this with you. We are in this cone of of awesome together and I'm I barely understand what's happening. What are we doing? Who who are you? What's happening to who me? Who are hello. we? Who are we? This hello. This is fan controlled fandom. This is all things in the nerd culture. Star Wars, MCU, DC, fantasy, Tolkien. We're talking Willow today. Who knew? And I mean, you, if you listen, because we said we're going to talk about Willow last week. Uh, I'm <laughs> Kenny Stevenson. My co-host over here is Mr. Alex Enriquez. Alex, how are you today? I'm doing extremely well i'm doing incredibly well how are you i'm great i don't know if i would say extremely well but i'm looking at you you got a tank top on and it's it's like a brisk 50 plus in la which is which for la is freezing and uh you got a a tank on and a hat and i'm i'm into it hey over here uh on uh, on la brea boulevard it is always island time baby (laughs) Always island time. It's always island o'clock. That's what every time I'm strolling down, you know, with La Brea going over to the tar pits, hitting way over to uh, making my way over to the LACMA, the Peterson Automotive Museum, all that whole area. I'm always like, whew, did I just step into Tahiti? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Bora Bora? Grass, grass structures everywhere, just a sort of a free and easy way of living. Yeah, baby, it's island time over here in La Brea. It's, I think I think it, La Brea is actually Spanish for the island's time. I think it is. It's basically, it's like if you took out, if you used just the like five minutes of exterior shots from an episode of White Lotus, that's what La Brea is. Yeah. That's what, yeah. That's what I haven't, I haven't like. seen... I haven't seen season two because we started doing this show before season two came out and I, I devoted myself fully to only genre content. So I won't be able to watch oh. anything ever. Again. I thought that's what we were doing, right? We were, oh, you and no, I you, had White Lotus sworn is to only we watch only, genre content. Yeah. I thought that's what we were doing. Well, White Lotus is kind of now forming itself into a genre. It's definitely a, it's a, it's a murder mystery show. I mean, if you want to count, glass onion knives out a knives out movie as genre then i would think white lotus is genre so i can watch glass onion uh because uh daniel craig played a stormtrooper in force awakens so this it's is... technically it's technically also, sideways star wars glass well glass onion stars dave batista so drax is in it so speaking of drax we're in quick hits we're now we're just segued perfectly quick 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 hits the quickest I am gonna. I I I wanted to do it this week, but my time, my free time, is non-existent. But I wanted to make a. a I am gonna make a quick hit kind of sting. So get ready for that. Oh, did you hear that, everybody? All the audience members. Yeah, like that gauntlet. Gonna, I just laid that gauntlet down. This is this will be the first, other than the sound, the 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 like intro music. This will be like the first bit of production that we're trying to enter enter into the show, and I feel like it's a slippery slope. I think we're like, <laughs> I think we're, I think we're like two months away from a soundboard and a like a sassy producer who's always like interjecting. I'm here for that. I want the sassy producer to be like, well, that's well, that's staying in. You know yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, let's hire a Roz. There we go, Roz. I love it. 
I love we, more. The more Frasier references, the better. <laughs> if there's one thing that Gen Z loves, it's Frasier. Um, remember the remember the theme song to Frasier? Stains on the China, never saw him before. Remember, Mr. it's a classic. That's Mr. Belvedere, my friend. No, I'm pretty sure that's Frasier. <laughs> Mr. Sure. Belvedere is another sick reference for all the Gen Z listeners. Stains on the China, you know. <laughs> well, that's sometimes things get turned around and no one cares. According yeah. to our new arrival, life is more than mere survival. Seems to just my live the good life. Yep. Oh, my God. Here we go. You remember the classic theme song? So, y'all, we recorded last week and we talked about the finale of Andor and the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. And then literally, like, no joke, like an hour after we recorded, uh, huge drops in the fandom space. And we weren't able to talk about them. So we're going to talk about these things that you might be like, wow, that was like a week ago. Well, we didn't get yeah. a chance to talk about it. So well, it, 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 not every the audience, the, the audience would have no way of knowing this, but Kenny and I always end each episode's recording by staring into each other's eyes across the Zoom link for about mm-hmm. 15 minutes yeah. of, of silence. And during that period, they dropped everything. The Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy Volume 3 trailer, the Indy 5 trailer. Uh, you know, there's... There was news. There were there was reports. Ant- there were Ant-Man, pictures. Ant Man Quantum Mania, like sort of. They like they did like a, they called it an Ant an Ant Man retrospective. The legacy of the Ant Man. Something something that nobody is wondering, but sure. Um, uh, but I want to talk. So let's talk about the two the two big things that we got. I think let's 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 just let's do Guardians Volume Three first. So this drops, and. Tonally, I mean this. I mean their, their first, the first kind of joke, which is a great bit of like the Guardians kind of showing up to a new planet. That's a very Earth-like 1950s esque kind of track homey planet. But then you know beings walk out that are clearly not human, and a little girl throws a rubber ball with the Guardians and Drax. Dave Bautista still just hitting home runs, just comes in and is just still shooting. You know, fifty-two percent from three. He just takes his ball and throws it right back in the kid's face, and it's hysterical. <laughs> yeah, I'm the the like you said tonally. I think this is a, a a little bit even even in this intro where you do get a great little punchline moment like that. There's an eeriness to it. There's yeah. a, a kind of a, a darkness of of t- tone again that's very evident in this trailer and very like different from what we're used to from the Guardians of the Galaxy so far. Yeah, and they get so that really that that ball in ball in face take that with as you will. Uh, joke is really the only joke. Really, the rest of the trailer set to uh, we're not we're not like in the campy bubbly seventies soundtrack wise. We're in the like what I would think like late nineties, early two thousands. Forget the band because they're like a one hit wonder, but it's like ooh, uh, that would be Space Hog. Yeah, well done. But that, I thought when I heard that for the first, the only one. I heard the 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 little the little high pitched. I was like, "Hey, Space Hog, getting hey, a little shout out here. I love it, Space Hog." But I there's something to me musically because that's I I find like rock music from that era to be a little kind of non-specific and. You know, all those band like a lot of the bands at that time, a lot of the sound was a lot of this graveling, a lot of people sang like this. Yeah. And 
a lot of that music kind of blends together. And so to take it and make it this kind of slower, eerie, you're right. The whole tone of this thing is like, it's this, this movie is not going like, it's probably, it's going to have jokes. It's not going to not be funny, but we're talking like, where it looks like we're, we're diving into where rocket came from. Gamora is in this, but she, for a lot of this, she's not seen with the guardians at one point. Nebula's carrying Peter and I don't know Peter's dead or something there's this movie it seems like it's gonna be like like at one point Peter Quill is like screaming and sadness and agony and it's like this this movie is gonna be rough I I've always really liked Rocket as a sort of a a character who gets to crack wise and then you always sort of get to see his his heart um and and you know it's it's I've always I always get emotional when I whenever I see Rocket on screen and I think it's mostly because I know how much Bradley Cooper's being paid for zero work. Oh, Bradley, and, uh, oh, let's talk about Vin Diesel for like the next hour. What a job that is! All he does oh, yeah. is he records he records every single I am Groot and insists on doing it. So I mean. Every single about... individual one in the script, because I, if I was, if I, was, if I got him in the booth, I'd be like, Vin, let let's not waste either of our immensely valuable times. Just say I am Groot twenty times with different inflection, right? and then we'll just pot we'll it, just we'll put it all them. in, whatever. No, and, he insists. But I like, he insists I like on that. doing all of them. I like that. I like that. Uh, that determination. I like that. Frankly, dignity. Oh, well to done. like watch watch that playback on the screen and really get into the tree man's uh, brain and go, <laughs> I am Groot. No, I gotta, I, you know, I really, I'm really hitting that second O and Groot wrong. Hold on, give me an. And it's like Vin, it's been three hours. I, I guarantee you, he goes through the script, and he as like a proper like uh, Meisner technique, and is like, what am I really saying? Like, even though, you know how it is, like, there's always the written line, but what's the subtext? So yeah. he's taken, like, those I am Groots, and I would say for, like, 50% of them, he's still just saying family. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they get him in the booth, and he's like, they're like, okay, and action. Family. Like, Vin. Vin. <laughs> hold on. Cut. Vin. You need a minute? You need to get your head clear. This is the other. This is the other thing you do, Vin. This isn't the. This isn't the fast. Move. What's the other thing you do? Oh, I am Groot. Great, we got that. We were recording, right? We got that one. Got <laughs> they it. were like, they were like the other thing you do, and then he started singing his fucking song. Pardon oh, my French. <laughs> <laughs> like no, 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 no. Nobody wants that. Hashtag the never other... forget. Hashtag <laughs> never forget. Vin Diesel records music. Um... Hell of a dancer too, and that's that's honest. That's real. He's a hell of a dancer. Hell of a dancer. But yeah, so yes, Bradley Cooper does also gets that sweet, sweet paycheck from like that one day in the in the booth. But yeah, I feel like, you know, I'm sure we're going to get another trailer that kind of expands. We got a brief look at um, Adam Warlock, which is a character that I've tried to kind of like learn a bit about, but I don't know a ton about. I don't know if he fits in. I mean, I'm sure they'll find a way to make him work. He's sort of great, just like the Guardians of the Galaxy are, because they are a name, their IP from the comics that you can pull up, and you can access just as much as you want of their established personalities, and then kind of make them whatever you want them to be, because unlike Batman, Superman, you know, Iron Man has this same kind of flexibility as the Guardians of the Galaxy too. There isn't this, like, completely 
culturally worldwide universal knowledge of this person's like three main personality types or drives or things. So you can take a character like Adam Warlock, put the power set on him and then kind of make him whoever you want him to be to suit your story. Cause you know, you and me are the only people who hear the name and, and are millions of listeners. We're the only people who hear the name Adam Warlock and have any sort of uh, reaction to it. Yeah, and he was teased at the end of Volume 2, and I'm glad that they're still like sticking with that. I mean, Volume 2, by the time Volume 3 comes out, it will have been uh, six years. So there's definitely, there's definitely a world where, you know, yeah, COVID delayed things a little bit. There, yeah. There's definitely a world where um, they're just like, eh, we don't have to pay off that little post credit scene and Adam Warlock is not in, but he's in the movie. So, I mean, overall, I do think it looks really great. It looks like it's going to be like a proper kind of trilogy end. And James Gunn has said that this, this will be the end of this current guardians team so i mean that obviously i think for secret wars there's gonna have to be some sort of team left at the end of this but you're like you were pointing out in your hoopla pick last week the yep. guardians of the galaxy team has shifted lineup so drastically over the years that it's included thing and venom and iron man even so oh yeah that's right yes you know play a, a sort of having this placeholder you know of you know, back in the day in the comic books, they had Avengers and they started the West Coast Avengers. They yep. even had a Great Lakes Avengers. The Guardians oh. sort of serve as the MCU's space Avengers, I suppose. That's a great way to put it. And you heard it here first. Alex Enriquez confirming that both that Robert Downey Jr., the Fantastic Four and Venom and Tom Hardy will all be in Guardians Volume 3. So that's that's you yeah, heard that's, it here. You heard it here first. That's a confirmed leak. I I was I was in a sauna with Kevin Feige very late last night, and he he told me all about it. Fantastic! I can't wait to see who's playing Thing. Did you get that casting news? It's me. Oh shoot! Yeah, but I'm not doing performance capture or prosthetics. They're going to actually transform me into, into a rock a, person, a strong rock man from uh, the Bronx. I love it. I I I buy you as a strong rock man from the Bronx. Thank Speaking you. of a strong rock man from it's the Bronx, cl it's clobbering time. <laughs> Perfect. And, and cut, check the gate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the other big trailer we got, which I think is, you know, the biggest trailer we got, which is Indiana Jones. And we now have a title, The Dial of Destiny. And before we talk about what we saw, this title is a little like goofy to me. Well, sure it's better than their their first draft was Indiana Jones and the Dick of Despair. <laughs> and I, I think that they made a better choice here. They were like, let's keep the DD alliteration, but let's maybe lose the dick. And what's another word we can use? Um, you know what? If, like, I'm sure it'll grow on me. because, like, whatever. Temple of Doom is an absurd title. And it really truly is. I mean, people, it's so funny. People have this, like, revisionist history of, like, certain titles because of, like, oh, my childhood. You know, it's like Ghostbusters. Like, I'm like watch Ghostbusters 2 and that movie is not like some it's good it's fun but it's not something we should be revering as you know uh fandom lore anyway like Temple of Doom is a kind of a goofy movie and Crystal Skulls is a goofy movie and and the name Raiders of the Lost Ark Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark when it comes out that that name is meant to be big unwieldy and kind of goofy and refer back yeah. to something very specific it's the prop. So it's exactly. It's like the you have to remember, especially with a lot of Lucas film. Lucas is incapable of coming up with a single idea. 
on his own. <laughs> no, Everything every is, idea is, is three based on bad ideas together. <laughs> yeah, it's based on something. You know, Star Wars is, um, you know, it's Joseph Campbell, but it's based on kind of like uh, piratey type movies. Um, it's serialized Old West samurai yes. films all then, t- all together. Indiana Jones is your your 1930s um, kind of soda pop adventure, like Saturday afternoon adventure movies that people. Doc would go Savage see. is a is a name that has been. Uh, I, I'm not. I, I know he's the man of bronze. He's one of those old you know serial book characters from the early yeah 20th that century. are all that's like a, that's look, a reference point. I'm gonna say right now, don't go look up any of these things because they're all incredibly racist. But then, um, and then Willow, which we'll talk about in a little bit, is like clearly like Lucas's attempt to do a Tolkien. So like that's all kind of there. I don't know. There's something about like that's when it just about the title. Do you remember like when we were little? Do you remember when we were little? Um, this is look at us, be, so cute. So this would be so quaint. Um, so like much like Star Wars Legends, they actually made some like Indiana Jones books that were like continuing adventures, and they were like you know Indiana Jones and the you know Gale of Galmora. That sounds like a willow thing but (laughs) but you know what i mean like they were these like kind of made up like indiana jones and the um kerfuffle in korea or something like that now were were these were these uh these are following the adventures of an adult indiana jones yeah they're just like they're like the star wars legends books they were books about indiana jones i bring it up because i i i read a series when i was little that was novel they weren't novelizations of the tv show but they were they took place in the world of the young indiana jones chronicles and followed like a 13 14 year old indie i read like four or five of those it's the first time that i'd ever heard that uh, uh there was a country called georgia as well as a state oh, called georgia yeah i was i was i was 38 years old and it was a it was a <laughs> complete surprise this was only a couple of years ago um yeah no so when i heard dial of destiny i was like Oh, that sounded very similar to like a like one of those legends books. But whatever, it's what the film's called. Let's move past it. So we did get a couple of glimpses in this t- in this trailer of the de-aged Indiana Jones, and I have to say, if it stays as good as it looked in the trailer, I I I'm think I'm going to be cool with this. What did you think of the de-aging in the trailer? I thought well, first of all, the two instances to me looked like two distinct de-aged periods that That's maybe it it looked like the first one looked like a Raiders of the Lost Ark indie and the last one looked like a uh, a Last Crusade in like about a 10 year difference between those two de-aged Ooh. faces they looked really good i know that you know Disney Lucasfilm ILM has they 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 got that guy from Twitter who does the good deep fakes which is how they got such a good luke and I am my thing is I thought that they looked really good in the trailer and I know how it goes with trailers. You know, you finish those shots for the trailer and sure. then you go, but when they and then when they wind up in the movie, way more improved. You know, so if this is where they've started, you know, a year in advance or whatever, I can only imagine it's probably going to be it, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if this set a new standard in terms of de-aging and then brought up all new ethical questions about it. I know this is this is the movie that's going to be like, hey, there's another trilogy planned and we're going to do it without Harrison Ford. But this A.I. is going to beat it like this is what's going to happen. Yeah, it's afterwards. Indiana Jones and the Battle of Can versus Should. <laughs> um, what did you think about the rest of the trailer? The one thing that I think that I kind of loved 
about it. I mean, first of all, I think whatever I'm in regardless. I think yeah. it looks good. I think like we get some running. The thing that the one shot that I don't think really worked digitally for me was like Indy on the horse. The face looks kind of crazy on there. I don't know what they're doing there. Yeah, you know, you know, they don't insurance wise. They don't let uh, they don't let Harrison on a horse. Uh, he's yeah. ever since he he uh, he landed a small plane at LAX and interrupted a commercial jet traffic um, twice. <laughs> that was and, and that was twice after that. after the golf course plane crash. And yes, they, they somebody somebody's got to say, look, Harrison, nobody minds that you're super high all the time, but no vehicles. If if yeah. if somebody if somebody hears Harrison Ford say watch this, I think the the <laughs> F, the FAA probably has a rule now that he has to be tackled by whoever's nearest to him. Hey, watch this! No, Harrison. <laughs> yeah. um, but there is, like I said, there's this trolling moment. See, obviously, the, we've talked about it on this podcast before too. There is the kind of overarching fear in a lot of these, you know, ruining my childhood type fans that this movie is going to be about time travel. And there is this thing, like kind of narrative throughout the trailer where Indy is talking about like, you know, I don't be- like, I believe in certain things, like what you he can says, see. And I don't believe in magic says the man who watched a Nazi's face melt. Yeah. I don't Although I guess he didn't magic. see it. He I, didn't see any of that. He closed his eyes during the whole yeah, arc thing. He just woke he up and everybody's see, exploded. He did see a man stick his hand into another man's chest, pull out a heart. And then that heart burn in the man's hand and then the man whose heart he pulled out was still alive he also saw uh a, a knight from the crusade yeah. tell him what the holy like he found the holy grail and this man who had been there for centuries was still there and then but that but according to that line in the trailer the the crusades man and the heart man with the you know molaram sularam and yes. the man who got his heart out all of them we're just believing hard enough. <laughs> that's what that, that's what he said. Yeah, I don't believe in magic. It's how how hard you believe in it. So that's what I feel like. A lot of people were like hemming and hawing. Was like that's the speech he's giving as he's about to travel back in time. I, at this point, I don't care. Like whatever. At this point, I kind of want to be just like, do you know what? If it's not about time travel, go back and make it about time time travel. Screw these people. Like, like yeah, it's <laughs> it's one of those things where I I go like. At the thirty thousand foot level in my life politically, I go okay. What if? What if? What if climate change were a hoax? What if somebody came out tomorrow and was like, "Hey, guess what? We were we were fudging it the whole time." I, you know, the kind of people who don't believe in climate change aren't people I want to be on the same side with on anything. So I'm like, I would still, I would still believe the fiction, just so I wouldn't be lined up with these assholes. Yeah. Frankly, yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, I think a lot of it looks fun. We got, uh, we didn't get like we got some running. We saw, we, which to me, it's like I don't know. There's something about I don't need to see like Tom Cruise level running from an Indiana Jones, but I do need to see Indiana Jones kind of running and being chased. And I like that little bit at the end when he takes the whip and throws, he takes takes his whip out and swings it around, and everyone pulls out their guns. Like that's a great little callback to the sword fight from the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I love, I love that my, my favorite thing about that sword fight is that in canon temple of doom is a prequel to Raiders of the lost Ark. Mm -hmm. And yet the sword, the, the, uh, gun whip sword joke takes place in reverse cadence. 
Yeah. If 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 Lost Ark had taken place before Temple of Doom, then the joke the joke in re in the in the real life of the world Indiana Jones is experiencing doesn't work. Yeah, and that's only because we now exist in a world where everything has to be well. If you're going to do a chrono, are you going to do a chrono chronological watch, or are you going to do a uh, re- theatrical release watch? So technically, you have to start with the prologue of Last Crusade and then skip to Temple of yeah, Doom. Exactly. And then- <laughs> like people who are like well you know actually if you i'd speak it's the the first thor is thousands of years so that's where you should start your mcu watch then stop at the title then go yeah. you have to watch Captain the beginning america first avenger you have to watch the beginning the intro of, e- of eternals well, that's and what then you're the, sorry, the yes, prologue sorry, of yes. thor then switch to captain america and then switch back to, and then you have to watch a bunch like all of phase one mcu and then go back and watch the post-credit sequence of captain america uh, yeah somebody will do it Topher grace is out there working on a um, mcu chronological supercut that'll be uploaded to what did he make Twitter. R- remind me of what he did he did i think because he and and what i heard was he was earnestly trying to learn film editing he was like trying to learn the craft of it and he took i think he took the entire prequels and made it one movie, edited it down to one movie, which I think there's probably one movie of a really good movie in there. Yeah, and, like and he would have these screenings of- and and show them to his friends, famously, like these kind of bootleg screenings you'd have to know about. And that's how that's how COVID spread throughout LA. Um Yeah, that's what they were calling it the Topher variant for a long time. <laughs> the Grace Conjecture. The Grace Conjecture. Thank you, TC. Um I wrote some other stuff down, but I don't think we need to hit some of this other stuff down in the quick hits. Although I will just say, did you see the Bad Batch trailer? Hell yeah, I did. Bad Bad Batch is coming in January 4th, a show we will definitely talk about on this show, which then I think it's going to overlap with Mandalorian. So there's like a lot of Star Wars content coming. If you thought that like Andor was going to be it for a bit, no, there's Bad Batch is coming. Bad Batch is coming. I'm very excited because, you know, it, we when we started this thing, I feel like we had this really huge like wave of oh, content. So and now content. I'm like I'm in the middle of season one of Picard to, to try and come up with stuff, to t- which I which I enjoy. Yeah. I'm, I'm making my way through that. They Hey, they said fucking Star Wars and Star Trek and they cut a guy's head off. I'm, I'm like, I'm down. All right. They they injected quite a bit of Star Wars into this Picard show, I'll say. But oh. that's for a, that's for another later time. I I I'm I'm desperately trying to find a reason to get Paramount Plus and I you know, I still can't find convince myself to get it. They had a terrible, you know, here's a tip for those of y'all folks. A lot of the streaming sites have Black Friday deals. Like Hulu has a Black Friday deal all the time that's amazing. And I just, I didn't have Hulu for like six months. I just got their Black Friday deal. It's like one ninety nine a month, which is normally like seven ninety. It's normally eight ninety nine a month. I got it for a dollar ninety nine, cheaper, baby. So much nice. money you save. Paramount, very Plus, good. Paramount Plus did not have a deal. I'm like, I don't got time for you. Um, but yeah, that Bad Batch trailer looks great. So, um, the animated Star Wars stuff. If you're looking for stuff that kind of fills in gaps. The Filoni produced, Dave Filoni produced animated stuff, Clone Wars, Rebels, Bad Batch, really does a great job of like working in those in-between times and finding stuff to 
mine and kind of like, especially with Clone Wars, to like correct stuff that's wrong in the with the prequels. Yeah, I, I think we, well in the way that the prequels were supposed to pay off all these kinds of things that were that we see the you know the result of in the original trilogy, I feel like the Clone Wars do a much better job of you know properly and uh, you know within tolerance retconning some stuff from the prequels, and I I also think that they are far more consistent in the animated output than the live action stuff, which I've liked all of the live action star Wars things we've gotten. I will, I, but I can recognize that book of Boba Fett is not as good. Obi-Wan was not as great as like season one Mandalorian, but I think that the animated stuff is just so super consistent because it has this one really kind of knowledgeable and disciplined voice behind it of Dave Filoni. And I think that, it also does a really good job of balancing out the star Wars. You get some sort of Andor level commentary and narrative juice, but you also always have Guga and, you know, space stuff and stuff to look <laughs> at. Is, isn't Guga the name of that, uh, Chewbacca Jedi at the end of the bad batch trailer. We oh, met, I met him know. in clone wars. The guy we met in clone wars. I, I don't know. You might be right. I, I think it's itchy. The thing that I love, uh, too, is that even clone, uh, bad batch season one is, so like the big we talked about it before and now I you know our quick hits is getting longer but it's fine, um whatever we're fast and loose baby yeah what are we um, gonna talk about Willow for a half hour anyway hey, go we ahead are, Sorry. we are yeah. um, <laughs> um but you know it, we talked about this but one of the biggest kind of goof ups with Star Wars I think is bringing back Palpatine in Rise of Skywalker, and so now like Filoni has been like dropping these little hints of like how we're gonna course correct this or how not course but how we're gonna make this make you mean sense. you mean force correct for thank you my dog someone's outside and my dog's gonna bark um but at the end of bad batch season one there was they like hire one of the caminoans and to talk about a new project a new cloning project that's the biggest kind of leap that rise of skywalker makes it's just like yeah wait whatever we clone palpatine it's like oh what <laughs> I'm sorry. And there's a bunch of like failed attempts and like maybe Snoke is one of those failed attempts. We don't, we don't know. There's just not a lot there. Well, well I mean, kind of yada yada cloning and now they're like filling in the yada yada. Now going back and on in like a, a, a continuity sort of in order watch of the, of the series, you'll get Mandalorian. You'll get the clonings uh, the, you'll, you'll get, the end of bad batch with we need a new project and then sometime post return of the jedi you get another hit of we've got cloners we need force sensitive people to clone there's a suggestion that this is snoke it does really kind of smooth out that ramp up to yeah because to, it was a uh, real Palpatine. whether you like it or not which i kind of don't it, that's canon now and you have to just kind of make it work which is kind of what filoni did with the prequels that's it that's our really long hits <laughs> Yeah, the 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 quick, the quick long hit. Well, it, we were making up for last week where True. our quick hits were like thirty seconds about Cocaine Bear. Meanwhile, James Gunn is sitting there listening live, waiting for us to end the podcast <laughs> so he can release this trailer. Oh, Cocaine Bear, Jimmy, maybe. Jimmy, if you're listening, Jimmy got a bone to pick with you, Jimmy Gunn. Uh, so before we get to our main topic, Willow, um, we this is on the courses on the fan controlled sports and entertainment network. Um, so this is our one piece of sports news from Alex and Kenny. Alex, 
What's your piece of sports news for the week? Uh, back in the world of F1, uh, Formula One racing, um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a name that we all know, and it's gonna cause some raised eyebrows. Cyril Abitable, <laughs> of course. You and I, you and I both know him as the former principal of Renault, then Alpine for a for a brief moment. Mysteriously left Formula One, uh, took a break from racing. He's now come in to be the team principal for the FIA World uh, Rally Championship team that is being fielded by Hyundai, uh, starting a rumor mill in the paddock of even Hyundai's possible entry into Formula One. Wow. What was that name again? That's Cyril Abitable. You know, just that household Formula One racing name. Um, I'm just stalling here because I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to talk about. Um, I'm not going to. The Lakers were playing quite well. That was what was going to be my talk, but they've lost. They've got a bit of, but they're on a sick middle of a six game road trip. And we had, we were missing both LeBron and AD last night. Uh, Arsenal is ramping up play again as the World Cup's coming to a close, but they're still at top of the table. Uh, again, the CFL is off. Uh, we're going to talk about the XFL for a moment. As the XFL revealed yesterday, their uh, uniforms for their uh, eight teams that will start play in February after the NFL finishes its season. Uh, the uniforms uh, were revealed yesterday. Some of these uniforms look very similar to some of the teams that were returning to the league, such as the St. Louis Battlehawks. Uh, and some of them are a little crazy, like the neon green versions of the Orlando Guardians. They all look great. I'm here for it. They made the Seattle Sea Dragons orange. There's an alternative one that's orange on top of orange. More orange on in uniforms is fine by me. And uh, that that that's my uh, sports news. Now, can I ask? Did uh, did Dwayne the Rock Johnson fulfill his promise and do the uniforms in fact all feature a cutout for the penis? <laughs> no, he did not follow through. He did all name right. he did name the San Antonio team the Brahmas, which the Brahma Bull is like the you know one of the rocks like whatever animals that he spirit animals or his it's his familiar it is his familiar spirit animal is actually racist uh it's against indigenous folk we're gonna say his patronus which is also giving money to jk rowling so let's figure something else to say out later um, i mean i think i think i just did with the word familiar if you if you remember but that's, that's fine. a good one no i like that <laughs> i should just listen to you more speaking of listening to you more um you, as our biz dev guy pound on the pavement who, who's our sponsor for the week well it's actually me i'm the corporate underwriter for the week i bought out all of our ad time for a very important reason it was recently your birthday and uh and you only you only turn 55 once so (laughs) i'm i pulled some facts from and i just as a means of like really reintroduce introducing you uh, deep more deeply to the audience Oh no! Uh, I pulled some facts from your Wikipedia page, and I just want to read oh. them in the ad from in the my ad Wikipedia spaces. page. Okay. From your Wikipedia page, so these are these are things that that are said about you. Uh, in 1989, uh-oh. uh oh, Kenny and a Chinese man named David invented New York style pizza in Cleveland. Oh, in why did you say he was Chinese? <laughs> in 1989, yeah, well, you know. I don't I don't write my Wikipedia page, so you have to refer to whoever is the the uh, because the act the actual date is 1979. I was two and a half. Mm, okay, well, I, uh, I, maybe maybe uh, maybe we can have David on the show. He's he's Chinese, as you as you indicated. And here's a second here's a second uh, fact. Okay. There are one hundred thousand six hundred twenty one Kenny Stevensons in the world. Kenny has only ever been able to consume twenty of them. <laughs> 
So those are our two our two facts from from Kenny's Wikipedia page again celebrating the big five five. I, I love it, buddy. <laughs> Ten years to retirement, we're almost there. We're almost there. I could live in the retirement home that my mother in law lives in. Uh, anyway, so our main topic right now that we're going to be hitting on is Willow, the return of Willow, uh, the nineteen eighty eight. Uh, Ron Howard directed film uh, uh, George Lucas produced Um, we touched briefly on this this is you know if this is George Lucas's attempt at a Tolkien-esque adventure a Lord of the Rings if you will which this show is very more that kind of beat Uh, I should say spoiler alert I'm thank you for making it 36 minutes into this podcast where the title of the podcast is about Willow and you're still listening, but just so you know, we're going to spoil Willow and the first three episodes of Willow, the TV show. So you're welcome. Thanks for sticking around. Um, what is, what is your relationship before we talk about the TV show? I want to show, what was your relationship to the, the 1988 film? Uh, I've always been a huge fan of the original movie. I, I thought there was, I think I think that you calling it Lucas's Tolkien is spot on, dead on the money. Because well, I think I'll, that- give, I'll give that to the Ringerverse because Joanna Robinson on the Ringerverse brought that up, and I that since she said that, that unlocked a lot of stuff in my head about this title. Well, I'm not going to give it up anymore because it came from a woman, and I'm famously Whoa. a complete misogynist. Uh, <laughs> no, I, no, he's I, not. I, Alex is the. The exact opposite of that. I know. I'm. I hate men. Yeah. Uh, that's. I'm a misandrist. No. I. I. I think that it's such. It's so. It's so apt, and it's so. It has that same pull to me that Star Wars does of this really complete, lived-in universe that doesn't require the buy-in that something like Tolkien always feels like it requires. You know, Star Wars. If you put Star Wars up against something like 2001 or Star Trek or anything that's like science fiction of that same era, yeah. there's all of this, again, buy-in. You have to have like – it's not simple. It's not meant to be simple or accessible. And Willow and Star Wars are. They just – they go in. They refer to things that – you know. one of my favorite moments in Star Wars is when uh, Luke goes – you fought in the Clone Wars in 1977 when this $4 billion enterprise was not even imagined. Mm-hmm. He calls out to this conflict that adds backstory to this character. And it's just, we know because of the delivery it's that it's something important. And I think that that's what Lucas brings to this kind of high fantasy realm and genre with Willow. It has that, all of the names and the things that are over there, but it's but as opposed to Tolkien where it's like, oh, when he names this far off place, there's like a thousand pages of appendices that you go look <laughs> yeah. up and it's, and it's there. And it kind of feels as a completionist, a semi-completionist, you go, well, should I go look at all this stuff? Whereas with Willow, it's like, Hey man, you watch that one movie. Maybe you read mists of Avalon, I think is a novel that takes place in. I have no the Willow idea. Verse. That's, that's a great, I have no idea. I think, but it's, it's, right. it's low buy-in for very high involvement. You you like I said that world is complete. There there are rules, there are there and there's a tone also to to Willow that I've always appreciated because it feels like you know high fantasy like that has always felt so european, so british mm. in its sensibility and Willow feels very much like the american version of that. Treading yeah. in those waters, treading in the like you have sovereigns and lords, but 
there's definitely Americans doing some American ass shit around there. I mean, yeah, like, Matt, Matt Mardigan, Matt Mardigan is like, yeah, Val Kilmer in the the film is very much like, yeah, what if we did, what if we did Fellowship of the Rings, but we put Han Solo in it? Absolutely. And that's what, and that's kind of like a, uh, or we put Indiana Jones in it. That's one thing that Lucas does a good job of, and I will give him his flowers for that. Is that yeah. he does decide that, like, you know what this needs? This needs somebody to just kind of be like, come on, man. Like, somebody who can wink to the audience and be like, like, what are we doing here? Like, a scoundrel. I mean, this, is all, you know, this is all, like, this is all fun and games, and we're all just going to say a bunch of gobbity, gobbity gook. And, that, goop, and that's... Gobbity goop, sorry. That's, that's... I think it's the the K sound is the original nonsense phrase, but I... I, I I always talk about this with the MCU stuff, but that's absolutely crucial to this as well. Like the level of of seriousness with which you have, like everybody in Game of Thrones is so, it's taking it all so seriously. And they I do know. a good job of making the stakes something that you have to take seriously. But I like a little bit of a, hey, you know, this, it's cartoons. We're We're yeah. in a cartoon right now. Yeah, exactly. Like this is a little, so for me, the thing I, I saw Willow. Remember, I don't. Did you have H? I put this in the show notes. But did you have HBO or Showtime in the late eighties? I, I would get the free preview sometimes. So like, I don't know how my dad finagled it, but we had HBO in my house in the eighties, and you know, HBO and Showtime at those, the way that like film distribution worked in terms of the windows, which the now film windows are like it's in theaters for a week and then it's on digital and whatever, but you know, back in the day, back in the day, God. anyway, back in the day, by the way, by the way, don't undercut my joke about you being old by seeming old. Yeah, true. Thank you. <laughs> you Your old Pepperidge as- Farm remembers guy over yeah. here. <laughs> I remember Pepperidge Farms. Um, but it used to be, you know, the window was a film came out and then like six months later, it would come out on home video. And then four or five months after that, it would come to HBO. So usually HBO or Showtime in the summer times would have the previous summer's movies. And they never had like a lot of movies on the platform back then. And so there would be these movies that they would just play over and over and over again, like. Uh, summer School with Mark Harmon and Kirstie Alley, rest in peace, even though she was kind of a garbage person towards the end of her life. Um, or like Dragnet with uh, Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd and Willow. They, I've seen Willow so many times that yeah. there were there. I rewatched it to kind of get ready for the the show to kind of refresh my memory. And there were bits that came up and I was like, Almost, oh yeah, that's right. And could like guess the next line of dialogue or like things that had happened that I remembered like at the part where at the end of the film when the the sorcerer who Willow is able to get out of like kind of animal transfiguration and get her human form back goes up to is use the wand willow yeah she takes the wand and makes um bad morta like spin around in the air like i could and she says some weird incantation i could say part of that incantation when i was watching it like a couple nights ago 
Oh, wow. That's how many Deep times I've seen it. Anyway, so I was like leading that into is what was your kind of energy going into uh, this television I, I, show? I, I, I'm, I'm a big I'm a big fan. I, I like the world. I'm, I like the world so much that uh, I know that the two headed dragon in the original movie is called the Eber Sisk, named after Siskel and Ebert. Yes, I and just also... learned this, too, that like a lot of the <laughs> monsters are named after critics in from the 80s. And I, and I only learned that. I, I mean, I've known that since I was a little kid reading my dad's like uh, uh, he, God, it sounds like I'm setting up for like play, Playboy or porn or something. He he had this big like coffee table book about the history of ILM in the mid '80s. So they'd only done like nine movies or whatever. Yeah. But I think I think Willow was in there, and they talked about the process of doing that beautiful stop motion double headed dragon, and that it was named the Eber Sisk after these. And they they wouldn't name who the critics they named it after was, but as a smart little kid, I knew who they were talking about. But also, Sisk. Uh, Rick Overton who plays one of the little imps along yep. with Kevin Pollack, yep. uh, is the first person to ever offer me marijuana. Wow, look at that. Yeah. He's a real, uh, I think, I believe he's a, a vaccine denier now. Anyway. Um, oh, Rick, yeah, come on. That doesn't our, surprise me. He was always on that like little out, outside fringe of like, okay, yeah, you're a little, you're on the tipping point. <laughs> I think of that because as, they, as we haven't seen him yet in the movie, in the TV show, The Brownies, um, we see Kevin Pollack in the trailer, but we don't see Rick Overton. And I was like, well, yeah. get, get your shot, man. You lost a job. That needles, you- that hypodermic needles awful big when you're a little brownie. Yeah. So we're, let's dive into the show now. Um, initial thoughts, initial thoughts of the first three episodes of Willow. I, I, I actually, I just realized now I'm out of date. I missed the third episode. Well, then let's talk I, about the first two. Um, I, I'm enjoying myself. I think that they've done a, you know, you hear, you hear that they're going to make a TV show out of Willow, and you you go, okay, well, there's there's a world there. I thought we I thought we did the thing and saved the world and you know killed the baddie or whatever. Um, so there's like they have to kind of generate some stuff, and I uh, think yeah, they've done. A, I'm glad a, you said that. That's what I want to talk about. I think they've done a good job of generating the stuff. I, I, again, I like the world that they're in. I like the rules of it. Um, I do like sword fights and high fantasy stuff. Um, I like that they're, frankly, they're being pretty nakedly diverse with their casting and their story choices and everything, which I think is also like, that's another strength of fantasy. It's an, and it's specifically a strength of, willow because again it doesn't have all this history to it so people can't complain like tolkien never meant for there to be black dwarves it's like it's very (laughs) it's very blank slate that they can just build off of and and i i really appreciate what they've done so far i could use just a little bit more of the like the big action magic fantasy stuff i'm not so interested in like romance between teenagers yeah, so but that's just me personally. Yeah, so that's kind of where, like, so to kind of like set the table for where we are, and I do think you're right. I do think what they, what this show has set out. There's a couple things that are taking me a little bit of time to adjust to, and um, the one thing is that I just like I, j- you get early on, so we get some characters from the jump in the first episode. We see. 
um, Joanne Wally, who is back as um, Queen Sorsha. Well, she's queen now. She was Sorsha in the first one. Now she's queen. She's still Wally Kilmer? No, she's just Wally. Oh. So for those of you who don't know, Joanne Wally, who played Sorsha in Willow, and Val Kilmer actually eventually became married, and they have two kids. And I was the person who they cast to play Mad Mardigan's son, Eric. His name is Dempsey Brick. I was like, that's got to be Val. <laughs> yeah. His name, Dempsey Brick. Or no. Dempsey B-R-Y-K. I have the IMDb up. I'm, prepped. I, no, I'm prepared no, I today. I believe, I believe that you have the IMDb up. I believe that you were looking at his name and reading it out loud. I don't believe that that's actually it. I just can't. That is. That is his name. I have to remember you haven't seen the third episode, so i got to make sure I don't give anything away. But – um, Rick, what's his name? Ricky Cinderblock. Yeah, Dempsey Brick. Ah, there but we go. The thing, he he looks like Val Kilmer. I don't they I don't know how they found this kid. If they grew him in a test tube or what, but he looks so much like him that I was like, you get it, you get. It. So the first people we meet, we meet Queen Sorsha, we meet uh, Kit, and we meet Eric, and then we also meet Jade, played by Aaron Kellyman, who is in was in Solo. And was in, uh, she was one of the, the main flag smashers from Falcon and Winter Soldier. So she's just, oh, yeah. she's just racking up that Disney IP. Just racking it up. And I saw, and I actually thought the same thing when I saw her in this. And I was like, like honestly, because I think she's a, she's a good performer. But I, whenever I see somebody that is clearly just in their, in that Disney sphere has been like, has been brought into that fold. I, I go like, oh, good for them. Oh, totally. You know? no, and, she's, and she's great. And so we meet these these younger people and we learn that it's what's just confusing me at first, because so the 88 is when the movie came out and it's now 2022. So do the math. We're at like 34 years since the movie came out. But the show is only taking place 20 years after the movie so that took well me- because they got one look at how joanne wally had aged and went nobody's gonna believe it's been 30 years oh, this she looks woman incredible. is it's like bring it back it's 20 it's only been 20 years she's aging too slowly well warwick davis too i mean for a man I, I mean, who I, was like 16 17 when they were shooting the movie and he's like i mean i i just i just put very silent i put the movie willow on in the background just to have something going and there was just a close-up of of Warwick Davis's face, and you're like, "Oh, that is a baby. <laughs> that yeah, person is so a little ch- is a child." Like, you did not realize it when we were young watching it. We always just assumed like, "Oh, that guy is clearly older than us." But then when I was just watching it, I was like, "Damn, how?" Because then I was like, "This is a 35 years. How old?" I was like, "Oh no, he's only like 51. Like he was born in like." Well, yeah, his if he played he played Wicket when he was like six and only and I think I think Billy Barty was supposed to play Wicket. And no, he was like eleven, ten like, or eleven. Yeah. yeah, he's little little kid when he plays Wicket when he's like the the second lead in Return of the Jedi. But it, yeah, he I mean, like I said last week, he's a given given the sort of specific circumstances in which he has tread the path of a career he's done very interesting stuff and become a really really talented performer i really like watching him yeah and he's he's great so and and i want to get to him but that's kind of what my 
I understand the job that this show had to do, which was we need to bring in some new characters because unfortunately we're not we're not going to have Val Kilmer in this show. But when you see the third episode, you'll get you'll understand what I mean. That it definitely feels like they're angling toward Mad Mardigan showing up at some point in this show. I, I mean, they, they yeah they they which I just hope when he does. You know, it's it's the basically the exact thing thing from Top Gun Maverick. Like Willow goes into a little office in San Diego and Val's there with a computer <laughs> talking with the computer. <laughs> and no, so in Tombstone Two, that's, that's in, not in his Tombstone voice. Two, they go to it as well. There's not a voice. That's not his voice in Top Gun Maverick. They did a digital. They did the like Luke Skywalker digital AI voice. That it's not even him talking in that. When he when he does speak in the movie, it's when not he him. Does speak? It's still not him speaking. So he can't. This is sorry. Don't don't listen to this part. This is just me and Kenny talking. Can he can he not talk at all? I don't think so. No. Damn. Yeah. However, I will say they have cast Christian Slater in this show. They did roll Christian Slater out at D23 when they showed the trailer for this show. And I do think if, I don't know if they would ever like, maybe they'll do some sort of doctor who something like his face. He got, he got mauled by a dragon and we had to reconstruct his face via magic. And then that face becomes Christian Slater. But if Hi, it's, it's me, Val Kilmer. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to do something and have it be like a Mad Mardigan esque, and to like get the vibe of the first movie. I do think Christian Slater, if that's what he's going to end up being, is a pretty sweet casting choice. However, we I do understand that we have to kind of get some more characters. We have to establish this world. We have to broaden because you know Van Lathan brought this point up. As you can tell, I just listened to the Ringer versus recaps of these. Um, brought this point up that the first movie, the Willow, I should say the first movie, the only piece of IP that exists for this title is really a, like a, a, a three-hander. It's really just Willow, Mad Mardigan, and Alora Dannon yeah. in the movie. And so, and we have some world building, but if we're going to build this out into an eight-episode eight episode television show, we need to blow this out a little bit. So I understand that we, in the first episode, we spend, I would argue, probably too much time with some characters that we don't really have any attachment to yet, which is Mad Mardigan's two kids, Kit and Eric, uh, Jade, who is a very interesting character. She is a semi kind of love interest for Kit, but she herself wants to become uh, a member of like what's essentially the Knights, the the, the King's Guard. Uh, we meet a proposed, uh, a betrothed for Kit. They're gonna. This is very Games of Throny. We're gonna marry these two. Uh, you know, kingdoms together and Graydon Hatzer, which is like goes back to that whole like Americanization. Tony Revolori is he's a great actor. He's oh, I I was so happy to see him pop up. I really hadn't tuned in any of the promotional material before seeing it, but like cutting to him, I was like, oh, this dude's in it. I love this guy. Yeah, he's great. And then we get this kind of love interest for Eric, who we learn. Here's the big spoiler, because obviously going into this movie or into this show, we want to know what's happening with Elora Dannon. Cause when we left Willow, the movie, Elora Dannon was, you know, the, uh, was kind of seated up as being found her place. But then this show establishes right away because we need to have a story that darkness is still coming. Willow had a dream. And so because of that, Sorsha hid Elora Dannon's true identity to, to herself. 
it is revealed to be this kind of uh, kitchen maid who Eric is fallen in love with. And so those are, and I, I, I really, really like it's Ellie Bamber who plays uh, Alora, Dan and Dove. Um, I really, from moment one, liked her, liked the writer's take on the character and her performance as a character there. She, she, her character vacillates initially between the, some of the kind of conventions and tropes of the, you know, made in distress of a or the 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 sort of like fawning maiden in a high fantasy thing and then you very quickly she she talks like that like oh my lord would that i could thou wouldst or whatever and then immediately rolls her eyes and goes oh why did i say that yeah no, <laughs> i think it's another great. another great little distinction on this like americanized high fantasy yeah and that's kind of like what you know in the first episode you know, my wife was watching it and she was like, everyone's talking kind of like modern. And I was trying to think back to the, and it's not like, it's not like, like everyone's talking in like, yo, this party's lit, but just everyone's a little <laughs> more like, which I'm so up on current colloquialisms. Um, they, yeah. They have to go find Willow because, because he keeps it 100 all the time. They say in the first episode. And they're just like, spill that tea Willow on what's happening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and oh. now we're running out of cool lingo to put into the cool lingo joke. I, mean, I say we call it. I say we call it right here and don't try to do a third or fourth one. <laughs> Quit while we are ahead. Um, but, uh, but uh, I lost my train of thought. Um, no, so the I'll just go back to what I was initially talking about. <laughs> but that we we spend a lot of time establishing these characters, our fellowship of the ring, basically. Uh, our last member is who I think has been kind of the MVP so far is uh, Borman, who is played by a wonderful actor. His name's Amar Chada Patel. He has this just massive like axe sword. And we don't know yeah. his full backstory, but he's being kept in a prison, clearly has some connection to Sorsha because she talks to him still, especially in regards to Mad Mardigan. And um, she releases him to go on this journey there is kind of an evil force that attacks the castle, kidnaps Eric. That was apparently their goal, and takes Eric far away. And so we have to we have to put a gang, a, you know, a gang together. Which I'm here. I'm here for a fellowship. I'm here for a let's put a crew together and go on a journey. Love all that stuff. But we need the sorcerer. So we finally, at the end of episode one, get to Willow, and that's my kind of beef with the first episode is that it takes. I don't know, 50 minutes to see the titular character of the whole show. <laughs> yeah. Like I would yeah. love to get a little more Willow backstory. We get some backstory in episode two. We get even more in episode three. So I think it's building somewhere nice. But after the first episode, I was like, man, we spent a lot of time with, you know, some teens who are having a real tough time of like getting through life. And it's like L life changes. <laughs> and it's like, I'm here for that sometimes, but like I'm watching Willow. So when's yeah. that Willow going to show up? And and there's, you know, again, like the, um, with that, that, that Lucas's fellowship of the ring, you know, Tolkien thing. There is something about the original movie that is just like Lord of the Rings, which is like anybody can be a hero. You know, it's yeah. it, courage, courage doesn't have a, prescribed size let's say um yeah and that's sort of missing from this 
you know, especially like second episode. Again, I haven't caught up, but the second episode starts with a sort of a flashback featuring the the kind of where things broke apart between Willow and Sorsha and her sort of calling him out as a as like a not powerful wizard or whatever. And oh, I, she says, you are not a wizard. <laughs> she tells yeah, him straight yeah. up. And I, 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 I don't know. I, I just, I, I want more, I, I think I want more Willow. I think I want more Willow. I want yes. more of him being the hero. I like that it's, you know, the thing about Alora Dannon's presence in the first movie is that she's like an, she doesn't do anything. She is a, she's a, she's kind of the MacGuffin. She is a plot facilitator, but she's a baby. So she doesn't like, you know, it's not like her decisions facilitate anything happening in the narrative, but now she's there and we got to, you know, deal with her as an adult. But like, yeah, I, I want my friend Warwick Davis to have his, like every episode to have his huge moment where he kills everybody. Yeah. Well, watch the third episode, my friend. Anyway. um, Oh, all right. I think you brought up a good point and as much as i say like i i too am i think i've said this as such but i feel like we just started talking and it's already been almost like a half hour it's amazing i love this i love fandom um i i like this show i like where it's going i definitely think after episode one there was definitely a little bit of like oh boy or where are we going with (laughs) with this i was a little worried it's definitely seems like it's getting its legs underneath it but you're right. There is there is a definite like I'm not sure who our main who I sh- who I should be caring about the most because even if even if if it's a fellowship whether it is Lord of the Rings it's very clear that you know even though you know Aragorn is has his arc over the course of the the three films and the whole the three books which is you know to be king or to not be king to rule or not to rule everyone has their um, smaller roles. It's still very much Frodo. I mean, Frodo is the protagonist of that story. And Willow, you're right. Even though Willow does have that great juxtaposition of like, and then Lord of the Rings has it too, of like the warrior and the one who you least expect. And, but this, we're, we're still kind of dancing around a little bit. Like who is our, our main focal point? Well, if I may posit something in the Do way it. that posit Tol- away, my friend, Tolkien writes the Lord of the Rings. And I've heard this over and over again as a sort of an attempt to create a unified mythology of the British Isles and the, and, and, and the United Kingdom and the underlying message that he's trying to get across after his experience in World War One is that it isn't that that the glory go should go to and the true cost is borne by and the 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 actual victory belongs to the common man the 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 middle of the road common working class english person who had to deal with world war 1 and then world war 2 frankly are the hero of the story just as they are the they are the hobbits and i think that willow doesn't have the same you know, and not that it's necessary to have this all the time. It doesn't have the same thematic underpinnings. So there isn't a similar message that you're trying to get at, put across, reinforce. Which, yeah. again, it, not all genre stuff has to have a message. But I think that maybe, especially when you go from trying to turn a two-hour movie into an eight, ten-episode series, it it's you start to see where that those, those stretch points are are where you have to make these reaches that aren't that aren't supported with an underlying thematic 
cause. Yeah, and like I said, I think this show is um, is is good. I don't think it's I don't think it's clicking on all cylinders yet. I do think a lot of it is going to hinge on how much it's it, this show. This show is making this choice of hinging it on some of these characters. So you have to like this character. You have to like this. Which yeah. I will say, the ones that I am vibing with the most are, you know, Willow is great. I think he's there's you learn a lot in the next episode about his character, but in season two or in episode two, we get to see a lot of, of, you know, he is the high, forget the word of it now. It's the name of the episode. The second episode is called wait for it. I think he's the grand wizard. No. Is it the, is that what the they high, call him? In the there? high Aldwin. The high Aldwin. So he's now the high Aldwin, but there's that lovely scene of when he's trying to talk to everyone and you can see that he has definitely has a control over his uh, the people of the his 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 kinfolk listen to him, but there's this moment where everybody else is kind of listening and you're hearing him and it's like we have that like moment because earlier in the episode they say, Sorsha says you're not a great wizard, and then there's that moment of like oh is he like he's talking like. But is he still just going to do the same old tricks where he can make the baby disappear by pulling the blanket away and the baby's just behind the rock over there? So there's definitely a moment. So uh, his character is great. I, I like I, you're right. Uh, uh, Ellie Bamber, who's playing Alora Dannon, is great. I think Jade Claymore is great. I think Borman is great. I think the character that's, I think, weakest. And I do think even Tony Revolori, it's really it's Ruby Cruz playing Kit. Her character is I I, I, I don't know how they strengthen her. I mean, they basically revealed, Oh no, I don't, that's a, I won't say that, but I do think her character is um, the one that needs the most work. So I'm, I'm a little worried. That's my one worry, but if we lean on what we have so far, I think I'm excited to see where it goes. I, I agree with you. I, her character doesn't bother me. Yeah, it doesn't like, bother I, me. I just don't, she doesn't hit like some of the other ones do. Yeah, I, I can see that. I guess it doesn't, like I'm, I'm kind of along for the ride with her. There's enough. Sure. There's enough there, I guess. And sure. I, and I'll say one thing to me that character, and it's weird because I do like him. I think Borman is the character that's not exactly hitting for me. Well, you haven't watched um, the third episode yet. Okay. Oh, I, I, I like, I like the performer. I like his yes. take. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily enjoy how he's written, and I think that I'm seeing. This is a weird thing to say, and I I don't know if I'm saying oh, it. Oh, I can't right. wait! I can't wait to hear what this comes out of your mouth now. It feels like he really knows the character, and he's pulling toward what the what we want the character to be, what he wants the character to be, and that's against what the writers are giving him a little bit. Ooh, that's interesting. And that's and that's oh. the, that's the feeling I get. I would say that what is happening with Kit is the opposite. I feel like she is hitting too hard. What is either written or what is um, has been told to her via direction, but she's not bringing enough of her own kind of spice to it. Ah, okay. And I I hear, and especially because she is put against Jade, who she's a wonderful performer and there's so much going on kind of underneath on. And when she, there's just a lot, it's just different. I, I, I don't think that it's a lost cause. I obviously think there's a lot. She's going to have to hinge importantly into this story being Mad Mardigan's daughter. And I think we are going to learn what happened because they established really, because, you know, going into this, you know, he he's not going to be in this 
if he's going to be in it, it's going to be like, you're right, like going down to San Diego and he's going to be typing on the computer. It's time to, it's time to give it up, Maverick. But spoiler alert, Maverick doesn't give it up. Part of the reason why I don't like that movie, but yeah, uh, it, 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 that was a, it's like, we need to, but that's, that's Tom Cruise. That's typical Tom Cruise hubris. I think he well, would not I, anytime, allow it. Anytime I get in a fight with someone over Top Gun, I'm like, but like the movie establishes all these tropes of like, hey, it's time to hang it up. It's time to hang it up. It's time you need to teach somebody else to do this. And then the movie's like, the basic arc of the movie is like, nope, screw everybody. You do it yourself. I'm like, but that's not, there's no arc. There's no but, lesson learned. Nothing is learned in the end of that movie. He's but think still, of the, he's still a maverick. And it's like, okay, cool. What did we do? Guys, Why did we do this? Guys our age and a little bit older being the target demographic for Maverick are the kinds of people who constantly get the message, hey, maybe time to move aside. Maybe your relevancy needs to yes. shift societally and in your world and and it's and that it's okay. And these are the kind of guys who go, nope, just me. I know. I got to kill the Vietnam. The movie the movie to me is like like peak you know, straight white male for cisgendered fragility. And then it's just reinforced by saying like, you know, who we need to do this. That cisgendered white man who won't give up the idea that he's the only person who can solve everything. It's like Trump anyway. But this time, this time a Mexican lady will help him. So it's cool. Yeah. So it's cool. And Oh, look, there's also a black guy. Great. See, we, we solved it guys. <laughs> and it's that guy. It is very Trump. And it it's, is very Trump. it's Lawrence from insecure, which I know you love, which I do love. He's great. Anyway, Back to Willow, <laughs> but I do like I overall I think the show is is good. I'm the third episode is great. I'm excited to see where it's going and world building. Um, main I have a couple of questions. Did you know that Mad Mardigan is all one word? No, I saw that in the show notes, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, that bumped me too. I saw that in the in the uh, the captioning, and uh, and I was like. One word? Yeah, I for like my so many times I stressed earlier how many times I saw this as a kid. I thought it was like Mad in quotes, and then his first name or his surname is Mardigan, or his first name is Mad with like two D's, and then last name Mardigan. But no, it's Mad Mardigan, all one word. Yeah, it's uh, that's cool. I want to go explore his people and and why that is. Now I want to go. Let's go to his country. Let's go to his country and see what those naming conventions are are made of. What's the yeah? What's the what's the um, uh, what's the? It's not numerology. The entomology of Mad Mardigan is that like it's, the study? It's of entomology or etymology one of them's bugs one yeah, of them's one words. of them it's one of those it's one of those two i think it's etymology like now that you say it because entomology does sound like the study of birds or bugs bugs I mean, bugs. bugs bugs birds they're all gross anyway birds aren't real um <laughs> <laughs> thank you we finally gotten to the to the meat of it oh this is God. what this podcast has always been about the birds aren't real Birds aren't real. That's there. There's definitely podcasts that talk about birds not being real. Anyway, let's join their network. Uh, Alex, is this Star Trek or Star Wars? This is Star Wars, baby. This is this is George Lucas, uh, kind of, kind of doing his thing again. I, I, it, it, what it does is it leaves me to wonder what would the Lucas touch on another kind of very established genre have been. I mean, what, what, what like, are say like fifties uh, diner movies. This, but I mean something, something very far disparate. If he took on like what, what's the what's the George Lucas? I don't know spy movie. Uh, it, it it it's very 
like I said, fast, loose, and accessible, and meant to be such. Yeah, this is definitely Star Wars for me. I do feel like this is a little bit more Star Trekky than the movie is, just because there is a lot of like talk and lands and a lot of like goofy names and specificity towards that, which leads me makes me feel like it's a little more Star Trek, especially because there's a lot of there's a lot of like talking, like you know, Star Trek episodes when they go to some planet where there's a kingdom and the queen is talking for a long time about stuff. That's very Star Trekky to me, but yeah, yeah. ultimately the, the like characters, the, the lightheartedness, Star Wars. All right. Winners and losers. Um, I, I, it's pretty clear who the loser is, but any, any surprise winners from this? Actually a surprise winner. Yes. Cause I, I Warwick Davis is my winner. Um, and mostly because this really does kind of shine a light on the fact that and and it, and it, it not in a way that it feels inappropriate but you know lord of the rings does a whole movie that features smaller people but they're just regular they're just normal sized people that they shrunk down yeah this is a movie that features a race of little people and they're played by little people who do not get any opportunities to act or perform really and you know, Warwick Davis is the kind of performer I think who has the the ability to be in the mix with any other actor of his character actor of his age range or whatever. But you know, he he of course, like anybody else that's outside of what is considered the norm, has a harder time getting roles. And I think like somebody that I've always liked watching since I was a little kid, getting another shot to be in this big this big series that's that rests on him that's a big shine on him like that's i i, I that's something that like, really makes me appreciate this series is what it's doing for for your friend and mine warwick or davis he's my winner of the week i agree he's my winner too um as for a man who had to make six or seven leprechaun films just to put food on the table it's nice to get you know yeah get this guy back in this character that was such a great character that was such uh you're right. Like, you know, there's a world where this is just, you know, done with forced perspective and he's like a normal sized person, but to be like a proper, um, you know, shine the light on dwarfism and little people and, you know, the extent of their performance, especially his performance, which by the way, there's gotta be some big things coming because when we see him, he does not have his wife and he is missing a son. So at some point, yeah, we got to figure doctor, out. At some point, he's going to, because he deals a little bit with that trauma in the third episode, but at some point, his his wife and son are either gone, dead, we don't know. So that, there's there's room for this character to be really, really interesting. Spe- speaking of, I want to say sub-winner, of, at least in the first two episodes that I've seen, is the, the performer who plays Willow's daughter. Oh, yeah. She's wonderful. She There's something about her performance is so it lights up the screen i was very drawn to her to how she like the choices she made just her as an actor in her scenes like she there i mean i'm probably inferring this is probably insensitive but i'm also thinking about this person who probably hasn't had the kind of acting roles that befit her talent because of her size and here she gets something pretty pretty major and she just made the absolute most of it representation representation matters and she and she she, they put the apple in front of her and she took a big bite and i i i don't know there's i gotta watch it again because really something about her performance really kind of lit up for me very good very good all right losers who's your loser 
I mean, I think we're going to be of one mind on this. Yep. And, and you know, again, we're now establishing more and more that these shows and properties on Disney Plus exist in a in a similar, if not completely shared universe. And the idea that one of the major pillars of the entire Disney Plus platform slash offering is is once again not present where it could and should be is is a is a stunning revelation and so i think once again my loser for this week is uh, sam wilson's uh you know crustacean trawler his boat uh, uh from the from the bayous of mississippi i think you know we're there there is enough water and in, in, in to make it make narrative sense but there's got to be enough audience anticipation to make it something that you have to address at some point alex i'm going to take what you did and i'm going to take it a couple steps further okay um, do it again as the day one boat stan kings it is sam wilson's boat is the loser of this episode um we are in a world of magic there is no reason why that magic cannot make a boat fly i mean we, we there's there, lim- limitless here but again aaron kellyman who played one of the flag smashers in falcon and the winter soldier the the show that established sam wilson's shrimping boat is in this show there's no reason why there can't be a variant we've already established multiverses in the mcu she's a she's a variant in this sideways verse just make a you know a doctor strange circle and the boat comes through it this is not hard i mean guys Myth, myth, mythology, mystery, and magic. We buy it. We we buy it, and we love it. And and I think you know she she maybe even could say something like, oh, you know that's that looks familiar. Or or uh, don't worry, guys. I know how to how to drive this boat or something. You know they yes. always say something clever. And then she drives the boat, and then we've got the boat. You know it's it's, 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 it's this. I know. If we can if we can think it out. Just this quickly, just sitting here chatting, I mean, you have to wonder what they're doing over there. You guys are literally making like robot Luke Skywalkers that you don't even have to bring Mark Hamill in anymore, and you're doing it. I mean, I don't feel like it's that hard. Um, do you have- day one boat stand. Kings. Day one boat stand kings. Do we have another ad read uh, for me? As I, your, my birthday is the sponsor. We do. Yeah. Well, I, I am the sponsor. You're the sponsor. I bought all the ad space to celebrate you and uh and once again here's another piece of corporate underwriting we're going to read and i'm pulling these directly from the wikipedia page for kenny stevenson um kenny stevenson is the world's 15th highest selling adult novelist his oh. series musk of the seafarer uh <laughs> is written under the pen name rig Doublejack, is a consistent bestseller and last just last month won the romance media incorporated thigh clencher of the month award um <laughs> And then another fact about Kenny, an old witch once told Kenny that he'd never grow beyond 5'10". Hey, fuck you, witch. Pardon my French. That's another, That's because an, Kenny's very tall. That's a, that's, a, that's another fact from his Wikipedia yeah, page. Yeah, I did. That witch, I showed her because I'm 6'4". Happy birthday, buddy. I'm 6'4". Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And 55 has been a really great year so far. Um, I'm not Onward and upward. This is the portion of the show in which we play a game. And uh, Alex, I'm doing the game this week. And this year, in the year of our Lord. (laughs) Sorry, just the way that you settled into this year. (laughs) This year saw the return of one of our most celebrated actors, Nicolas Cage. Mm. He starred in a movie where he played himself. And Fantastic. It, and this movie actually came out in movie theaters. He has 
big studio movies coming out next year. And it was reported that he has been able to increase his rate. By the way, Nicolas Cage was making under a million dollars for some of his roles over the past five to six years. His now his rate is now back up between four to seven million. Oh, hey, thank, hey, you know what? We did it, America. We did it. Nick, world, Nicky boy, world, world, back America. on the top. However, back on top. however, over the past several years, Nicolas Cage has been making movies nonstop. Yep. <laughs> like in 2017, he released seven films. <laughs> wow. One of which is called Mom and Dad. It's the simple story of a teenage girl and her little brother who must survive a wild 24 hours during which a mass hysteria of unknown origins causes parents to turn violent on their own kids. Great. Oof. So with all the that's film- the kind of thing that makes Warwick Davis sit on top of uh, Leprechaun 7 and go, Nick, what are you doing? Yeah, right. Great. So with all the films that Nick Cage has made in his recent past, it's going to lead us to the new game we're going to play called Is Nick Cage in this movie? <laughs> okay, hit me. Let's do it. The game is simple. I'm going to read a title and a description for a film, and you have to tell me if Nick Cage is in the movie. All right, are you ready? Let's do it. Arsenal. When Mickey is trapped and held for ransom by ruthless crime boss Eddie King, Nicholas Cage, JP turns to the brother's old pal Sal, a plainclothes detective, for help. In order to rescue his brother, JP must risk everything and unleash his vengeance against King's relentless army of gangsters. Is Nick Cage in this movie? I'm going to say that because it seems like the kind of thing that an ambitious young director was able to like reach out and score Nicolas Cage to be the heavy for like you know $250,000, I'm going to say he's in that movie. Yes, he is in this movie. Yep. This is a film that The Guardian said is quote-unquote one to avoid. Go, boy. Uh, apparently, Nick Cage has a wig and makeup for this movie. I would show you a picture, but it's, this is an audio format. However, it reminds me of the time when Nick Cage was fired from the Seth Rogen movie, The Green Hornet, because Nick Cage was originally set to play the bad guy in that film, but insisted on playing his character with the Jamaican accent. That is, oh, not, no. a, that is not a joke. Nick. All right, you ready? Number two, terror from 100 feet. It's about a man who, while falling out of an airplane, becomes possessed by the devil and threatens to destroy the world. Again, all while falling out of an airplane. Is Nick Cage Uh, in this movie? Yeah, I'm going to say because of how crazy it sounds and how like it would appeal to his his latent megalomania, I, I would say, yeah, that's he's in it. Oh, no, that is not a real Nick Cage movie. But one that is, is called Vengeance, A Love Story, a movie that one critic said, if one is only interested in watching poorly quaffed, dentally challenged friends receive their just desserts, there are worse options out there, with most of them also starring Nicolas Cage. Ooh. <laughs> oh. I think at a certain point when that writer was typing that sentence, Nicolas Cage, wherever he was, could feel individual keystrokes hitting him. Yeah. Oh, oh God, oh, what's going oh. on? Oh. Uh, all right, ready? Number three. Let's in- do it. Inconceivable. As their lives become intricately entwined, Angela and her husband, Brian, Nicolas Cage, invite Katie to live in their guest house to serve as their nanny. Over time, the blossoming friendship between the two women spirals into a dangerous obsession as Katie becomes overly attached to the Morgan's daughter. 
Enduring lies and manipulations, Angela and Brian realize that Sweet Katie is actually trying to destroy their family from within. Is Nick Cage in this movie? I'm going to say, while it does sound Nick Cage bad, it doesn't sound Nick Cage crazy, so I'm going to say he's not in it. Oh, he is in that movie. Ah! This is a real film that The Hollywood Reporter called, quote-unquote, something that both Nicolas Cage and Faye Dunaway will want to leave off their filmographies, and at this point, that's saying something. (laughs) (laughs) Nicholas. I know, that was written in 2017, though. Now that he's done Pig and Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, you know, Nicolas Cage is, is here to stay. All right, you ready? Number four. Let's do it. Debbie. The story of a woman trying to raise her two sons on her own, all while living next door to a screaming Elvis impersonator. Nick Cage plays one of the two sons. Is Nick Cage in this movie? The Elvis thing makes the Elvis thing feels like it's it either makes it fit or it's a red herring. I'm going to say I'm going to say he's in it. <laughs> no. <laughs> ah, I'm doing the worst. No, but but remember that movie Mom and Dad that I told you about? A movie that is 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. And one critic says this about Mom and Dad, a real Nicolas Cage movie. Debbie is not a real movie at all. If you get excited by the thought of Nicolas Cage destroying a pool table via sledgehammer while screaming the hokey pokey, Mom and Dad is the movie for you. So Ooh. this week's sponsor is default is is the movie Mom and Dad. All right, one more. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. I got to finish strong. Articles of Confederation, a political thriller about a man who is forced to use the president as a human shield for two full hours during a terrorist attack. (laughs) (laughs) Only... (laughs) 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 All right. Hold on. I got to start over. I got to start over. (laughs) Sorry. No, it's great. Go ahead. A political thriller about a man who is forced to use the president as a human shield for two full hours during a terrorist attack, only to find out later. Using anybody as a human shield for two hours is a little much. (laughs) Two full hours. Here we go. As a human shield for two full hours during a terrorist attack, only to find out later that the president was actually a ghost. And that America is actually hell. It's a children's. <laughs> it's a children's film. Is is Nick uh, Cage in this movie? Uh, simply because of the high level of desire that I have for this to be real and for Nick Cage to be in it, I'm going to say that it's real and he's in it. No, it's not a real movie. Ah, I figured. But too you know, good to be true. But you know, it is a real film. The remake, Mom and Dad. Mom and Dad. No. <laughs> It is. Mom and Dad Dad is a real movie. But also I want to talk about the remake of the movie Left Behind starring Nicolas Cage, which is his lowest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes at 1%, which made one critic say, my goodness, what on earth is Nicolas Cage doing in this movie? Wait, is this Left Behind that's a remake of the adaptation of the book? So there was the Kurt Cameron one. Tim LaHaye. And then they remade it and Nicolas Cage is in it. Did, did he also have to film an asinine video where he tries to get into a banana like a monkey? <laughs> Is that what's in the first one? No, it, it's a it, look it up. It's Kirk Cameron 
next to one of these like smiling youth pastor guys who just, it's like when you when you really think about it evolution's a amount of crap man and they use the the uh the example of opening a banana uh, as a as a re- refutation of of evolution it's it's a it's something to watch either if you're angry and want to get angrier or if you're not angry and wish to be enraged uh, good. That's a good note. Um, before we get out of here, um, I, we've got one more. That was. I'm sorry. That was. Is this is Nick Cage in this movie? That was. I thank you for that. I would. That was an oldie. I actually have done that bit live, and I switched it for the show because it's it it freaking works. Oh um, yeah. Uh, so we have one more ad read, right? Yeah, and again, I've, I'm I'm the corporate underwriter. I'm 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 celebrating my good friend Kenny on on the occasion, much. belated now of his 55th birthday, <laughs> and I'm reading off. I'm reading off just direct quotations from his Wikipedia page. So there's um, another fact about Kenny. Kenny Stevenson can turn into Katz's deli at will. (laughs) That's weird. You've never, I mean, I've known you a long time and never done it, but pastrami has got to be unbelievable. Oh yeah. Oh, I make a, I make a great pastrami sandwich. Um, (laughs) From inside your body. I have one, one final uh, fact here from Wikipedia for you. Uh, Kenny Stevenson quote, doesn't believe in soap. Upon investigation, yep. it wasn't that he didn't think soap. It, it's that he didn't think soap worked. It's that he doesn't believe soap exists. Yeah, that's that's accurate. People so keep- that's a that's happy birthday, bud. Those are some some facts about you to celebrate you in 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 your in your time of celebration. Yeah, my wife is always like, "How come you just ran the dishwasher without putting any soap in it?" And I'm just like, "Because soap doesn't exist, babe." Jeez. Not real. It's like saying, why didn't you put, you know, Willow on top of the Christmas tree? Because Willow doesn't exist. I'll just sprinkle some Santa Claus beard trimmings over the dishes, too, (laughs) while I'm at it. (laughs) Yeah, why don't I just go ask the Easter Bunny to uh, go wash the car with soap? Because that's real. Anyway, um, before we get out of here, a couple things we do. Uh, We do Hoopla recommendations. Hoopla is a free app you can download and view comics from the public library alex you got any recommendations this week i do and i think it's something that is uh complete uh, i think it's available in its complete enti- in its entirety on on hoopla and trade paperback digital form uh is east of west it's Ooh. a uh very very high concept uh very very crazy kind of science fiction series by a writer i really enjoy named jonathan hickman who's oh love he- jonathan hickman He's done a ton of stuff in like the Marvel universe, really huge, big idea stuff that I think is going to start being incorporated in the MCU. But at the same time, he's done these really, really kind of high minded, very intelligent, independent series uh, like East of West. Another one is. uh, Oh, I can't remember what the science one is, but East of West. Check out East of West on Hoopla. I love it. Uh, For my Hoopla recommendation, I'm actually going to not recommend something on Hoopla. Good. There's another app uh, that's called Libby. Does the same thing. You can check out. It's good for audiobooks because I'm recommending an audiobook. Um, I talk often on this podcast about the uh, Del Rey Star Wars timeline, which is a series of books. When Disney took over uh, Star Wars, they basically said all of the Legends books that are written are no longer canon, and we're going to make a bunch of new books, and those books are canon. And so there is a series of books and I've been going through all of those books. I'm currently listening. Uh, there are two books in the timeline that are, they're basically like written as plays. They're like scripts. One of them is a uh, Dooku, Count Dooku, Asajj Ventress story, which is very good. 
And then the one that I'm currently listening to that has a great audio adaptation that is actually adapted with full characters playing every part. Um, it's Dr. Afra, and it's I recommend it. It's a book by Sarah Kuhn. Uh, I hope I'm say- hope I'm saying that last name right. It's actually it's it's spelled Smith, Kenny. I don't know why you're K U H N Kun Kun or Kuhn. Anyway, maybe Kuhn. Maybe could... maybe anyway. The first way sounds like I'm saying it terribly, but it's a great. Uh, it's it's like a, it's a teleplay. Doctor Afra is this character who is basically Indiana Jones meets Han Solo. Like literally, they are a, a but evil. <laughs> yeah, they are a. Um, she is a arche- like a space archaeologist like Indiana Jones trying to find artifacts but works for Darth Vader and um it's great and the the teleplay of it the the woman who is doing the voice of Afro is really great it's it's very self-aware uh it like talks to itself and tells the recording to stop and it's just a fun and it's only like a five and a half hour listen so I highly recommend that I'm currently listening to it and enjoying that's great it's great. Uh, so uh, again, the last thing we do before we get out of here is, you know, we're both dog owners. Uh, what did what did your dogs think of Willow? Uh, the consensus among them was uh, eight and a half out of ten. I think that was the average between the three dogs. Uh, okay. Lupo, Lupo, uh, Lupo's a little a little obsessed with how attractive everybody is. Um, <laughs> and uh, George. Uh, George is like uh, he's he's I think he's gonna skip episode three and just wait and watch them all when they're all out at the uh, at the end and and Millie is very she's very much on on the it, it, on the side of the fence of Val Kilmer showing up for a brief cameo but hopefully she's not disappointed we'll see um, well Mabel my dog as, as I've mentioned in the past I watch a lot of these shows at night which is very much when she is sleeping and I could tell you that uh, with Willow she has not even moved a muscle during any of the showings. I don't know if hard fantasy is her thing. We'll see if that continues because there wasn't a lot of movement during rings of power on her end either. So it'd uh, mm. be interesting to see. That seems consistent. If she's able to like, at least be even, I mean, I'm not, I mean, Alex, she doesn't even lift her head. She is like, she might as well be in, you know, dreamland permanently. That's how, that's how much she's not moving during this show. So we'll see. Do you think she could, do you think she can smell the shows? <laughs> I like to operate uh, that she does. Yeah. Just about a fun sake. Anyway, Alex, we did it. Another great episode. I mean, I don't have to even worry about what the comments are. I know that this is a great episode. And, yeah. Um, if you disagree, then you're wrong. Uh, where can the yeah, people... If you, if you disagree, keep it to your fucking self. Pardon my it. French. Pardon your French. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, Duke underscore Midnight, M-I-D-N-I-T-E on uh, Instagram on Twitch, on YouTube. There, there'll be something there at some point. I, I think I'm, I'm reconfiguring my social status, but definitely sign up and hit the notification bell. So, you know, when I'm posting, smash that subscribe button. So, uh, you can find me at Kenny G Stevenson on uh TikTok where I post impression videos. I just did a new impression of Adam driver two days ago. Um, you can find me there. Uh, Kenny G Stevenson on Twitch. I am on uh, Mastodon. I was loving Hive, but then that whole platform crashed. So you know what I'm loving currently now? Letterboxd. Find me on Letterboxd. Kenny G. Stevenson. Oh, it's this great app. Uh, you would love it, actually, Alex. It's basically, it's just for movies. You see a movie, you review it, you like it, and you find friends who have similar... There isn't a lot of like... There isn't opportunities for you to be all of a sudden be blasted with some sort of like conspiracy theory it's strictly just movies and then you can see people's comments and recommendations for movies it's great 
It's called Letterbox. Find me on there. I'm reviewing a lot of movies that I have to work on at work, which, spoiler alert, are not very good. So there's a lot of takes there. <laughs> um, but thanks for listening to the show. Thank you to Fan Controlled Sports and Entertainment for hosting the show. Yes, thank um, you. And uh, just we'll see you next week, which I don't know what we're going to talk about. We'll talk about something. There will be something to talk about, and you can bet your bottom dollar we'll talk about it. That's Kenny, I love you, buddy. Love you, too. See you later. 